You're listening to Touch the Line Podcast. My name is Evan Silver, and here we focus on leadership, culture, and building a team. This podcast was created to serve you so you can serve others. Welcome to Touch the Line Podcast. Today is something that I have been looking forward to, and I just honestly, I haven't found uh, I haven't came in contact with someone to talk about this issue. And I'm about to introduce someone who has been a uh, a guest of the salon, which Tish, I don't even know how you found Silver Salon. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but you are a counselor and you came into our salon and talked about mental health. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got to bring you on the podcast to talk more about that. So Tish, welcome to Touch the Line podcast. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Yeah. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. I just found out that we've known each other for a long time. We used to go to church together <laughs> yeah. uh, way back when. So I feel like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> but tell our <laughs> listeners who have never uh, met you before a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, I grew up in the same town as Silver Salon is located. So I've been in the same area my whole life. Um, I have been married for almost eight years. I have two little ones at home that are four and one. Um, I opened um, my counseling practice. Like, I guess it was relaunched, but the as it's known now, Riversway Counseling is located in Traveler's Rest. And I opened it in um, at the beginning of 2020, right before the world got a little topsy-turvy. Um, but I have been seeing clients for about five years now um, in counseling um, and mental health. Um, and... Yeah, that's that's just a brief introduction of who I yeah. am. Yeah, have you when you when 2020, I mean that's like a, mm-hmm. like honestly I'm I'm kind of tired of talking about 2020 on the podcast, right. but it's such a pivotal year. Did you yeah. did you see your practice, your business go up after 2020? Yeah, so um Yes, my situation was unique because I ended up having a child in that time too. So it's like I started a business and then had to like wind it down to be with family. But um, it was a shift because obviously a lot of things switched to virtual, which in the salon industry, y'all, y'all didn't have that. You can't virtually cut hair. So things dial back for y'all in a, in a way that I did not experience as far as career wise. Um, but I had to make a major shift to seeing clients um, through Zoom and through other other means to meet those needs. Um, and so, but now um, at this point, there is a major uptick of people seeking services um, as a result of the pandemic and just the increase of anxiety and depression that have um, have been birthed out of just complete unknowns and just radical changes of lifestyle and expectations in the world. Um, and so I think we are right now um, probably maybe like November or so of 2021 um, when, I mean, I know I'm pretty much full and counselors in, in the Greenville area are just getting slammed with individual seeking support in, as a result of 2020. Yeah. And, and you can't really prepare for, oh, you know, if you're like six weeks out, you can't be like, oh, wow, I'm going to have, you know, a mental health, like mental issue, like six yeah. weeks from now. It's like, Right. It's like when I, I got a massage yesterday and I actually walked in with a crick in my neck and I felt, I was like, yes, I'm hurting today, but I scheduled this. this works. But anytime, right. anytime I need like a massage, everyone's booked up. So, um, yeah. so 2020, what, what have you seen the, the most from 2020? Is it 
I mean, my thoughts are like people are isolated and they're not in community. Is that kind of what you're seeing? Yes. And I think that is a big piece of um, if we think about depression. So depression oftentimes and anxiety too, because they're so closely intertwined. Um, usually they're, they're called anxiety and depression are called comorbid disorders. So that means usually they're co-occurring. If you have one, you have elements of the other because there's so many things that um, that kind of look the same with those disorders. But yes, the isolation piece, people not having community, not having having people, um, and then throwing in the external fear of the world, of just um, of the virus, of other people. Like there's just so many elements of fear. Um, and those two things, isolation and fear, kind of are a good, you know, an unfortunate breeding grounds for some really hard mental struggles. Yeah. And you came into our salon and talked about the difference between anxiety and depression and I was like front row because I was like, I need to know more about this. I didn't know there was yeah. really a difference. Like you said, they're intertwined. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the difference between anxiety and depression. Yeah. So um, anxiety usually presents as excessive worry. And it's most commonly about things in the future. So like I'm fearing that this may happen or um, I'm worried about this um, particular conversation with this person, or I'm worried about the health of my family. And it's all usually future focused. Um, and physically in the body, anxiety can present as like racing heart, difficulty breathing. Um, a lot of people have like gut issues, um, like constipation or diarrhea can be a result of anxiety just because the way the stomach interacts with that fear. Kind of think of that feeling of like riding a or at least for me, if I'm waiting to get on a roller coaster and it's been a really long time, I have that like butterfly in my stomach yeah. feeling. Um, so that is anxiety, but disordered anxiety is that feeling all the time. And so it can really mess with the way that your gut functions. Um, and so, and <clears throat> it can mess with your sleep and your eating habits and all of that. So the way that that's really intertwined with depression is depression can also mess with your sleep and your eating habits and your gut and things like that. But it's usually in, I don't know, maybe like a, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it, like a, like a slower way. So if we think of anxiety as like a high, like a hyper arousal, depression is like lower arousal. So um, oftentimes with depression, it can look like um, instead of insomnia, it's hypersomnia, like sleeping too much with depression. Um, and then it can mess with your eating. And usually depression is focused on the past. Um, like, well, I, I went, I went to that place, you know, last week and I did not have any fun. So I'm just not going to go. Cause I know it's going to be terrible. Um, or focus like guilt and shame over things of the past. Like, um, like nobody likes me. I don't have anyone in my life. And it's all based on experiences that you've, you know, interpreted as negative from your past that kind of drives that depression. So individuals who have both, who are diagnosed with both, they kind of, it's like riding a wave. Like when you're low, you're not usually anxious, but you're low and you're struggling motivating yourself and kind of getting going. But then when you're anxious, you're not, you don't feel low. You don't have that depressed mood um, and the lack of desire to do things you used to love, which are the two things with depression that are the major indicators is that low mood and the things you used to enjoy, you just don't have any desire to do anymore. Yeah. You also, uh, you also talked about in our, in our team meeting last week that uh, you, you called me out. You didn't know that, but 
I tend to use um, like the word, like for instance, like behind the shampoo bowls, uh, I love for all the shampoos, uh, bottles, the leaders to be clean, straight, and the nozzles to be straight because it just looks great. So I say, hey, I'm OCD about this. And OCD is a real thing. Speaking of that a little bit, because I'm not OCD. I just prefer it that way. Right. Yeah. Okay. This is like my passion area. I love OCD. Um, I love working with OCD. Um, But individuals that have OCD, it's kind of, um, it can be the result of like an untreated anxiety disorder. So think of like, it's like anxiety on steroids to the point where it becomes like, um, like you, you mentally cannot make yourself do this. Like um, if we use the example of the salon bottles, like if you actually had OCD and you went in and in the salon bottles were off behind the chairs, you would have like physical discomfort in your body until you were able to go and fix it. So the physical discomfort speaks to the obsession part of obsessive compulsive disorder. The obsession is like, this needs to be straightened or it's just not right. The compulsion would be going to straighten it. Um, And so that can turn into all kinds of things So you can be, um, you know, there's contamination with like excessive cleaning, um, checking behaviors, like checking locks and doors and windows. But the piece with OCD is that it's like physically in your body, your brain's like, this is not going to be okay until you do this thing. And it causes physical discomfort, um, physical responses inside your body, physical anxiety until you do the compulsive behavior of fixing whatever just isn't right um, or whatever isn't clean enough um, and those kind of those kind of things. What are some other buzzwords that you hear that are uh, misinterpreted? Yeah. So, um other than the, the the disordered part, that's really common to hear, like you were just saying with um, being so OCD about this, where it's just something you have a preference for. Um, I think PTSD is one. People will say, oh, um, I have PTSD from, you know, the bad coffee I was served at Starbucks the other day. Like it's said in kind of a silly way, but PTSD is a very serious disorder. Usually the result of um, like war veterans, they have like they're triggered by loud noises. That's the, one of the most common ones you think of with PTSD um, or any kind of trauma, like sexual trauma, car accidents, um, anything that an individual experienced that their body like coded in their brain that this was horrible. This was such a traumatic experience. And it begins to cut to present itself as, um, you know, nightmares, um, being triggered by loud noises, flashbacks, like it's a very serious and uncomfortable disorder. Um, But other buzzwords I think are like, um, that's common in culture are um, triggered, like feeling triggered um, or just trauma. Um, That's a buzzword that a lot of people are using. Mindfulness, um, because there's so many ways to practice mindfulness. And I think that that's a common one that people are talking about right now. Um, and boundaries and self-care. I think those are the the buzzwords that are pretty common right now. Yes, I've, I've heard all those. <laughs> yes. So when do you, because let me back up, like, especially maybe this is a guy thing. Guys see counseling and they see it as a weakness. And to me, I see it as a strength because you're basically saying, okay, I can't do this on my own. I need yeah. professional help. And I've seen that um, with close people um, to me where 
I mean, they just said, you know what? I can't do this alone. Like if you have a broken arm, you go to a doctor, like mm-hmm. you have. Yeah. And so I love that analogy. It's like, look, if you're not, if you're not healthy mentally, go talk to someone. Uh, yeah. Give me, give me your thoughts on that. Like, when do you feel like someone needs to see a counselor? Do you have uh, people that come to you that, you know, they might be doing all right in life? It's just kind of maintaining that mental health. Yes, absolutely. So I think that counseling is for everyone. I think everyone in some capacity could benefit yeah. from counseling um, because we all have learned behaviors that maybe aren't beneficial in our workplace or in our marriages or family. Um, you know, we have we have situations that we could probably look at from different angles that that might help give us a lens of compassion for people in our lives. Like, I think counseling is awesome for everybody, um, but maybe I'm a, a smidge biased. <laughs> But I think there are definitely situations where counseling is essential. Like there is like, okay, you you really need to go get help. This is dangerous. And that would be when someone's having suicidal thoughts, which can kind of look like, well, maybe my family would be happier if I wasn't here. They'd be fine without me. Like those are kind of mild, passive suicidal thoughts that can really turn pretty scary. Um, so those are pretty essential reasons to seek. And obviously like really extreme relational crises and things like that counseling's helpful for. Um, but I think, you know, like I work with the the whole spectrum of people who are really severe um, having mental struggles, but I've also worked with individuals who come and they're like, hey, like, I just want to, you know, love my wife better. Like, can we kind of talk about this? Like, what would that look like? Or um, I'm noticing that I'm not, you know, performing at work the same level that my peers are. Um, can we kind of see what's going on there? And so it's it's all different spectrums, but I think everyone in some capacity could benefit from, you know, having an outside objective source to kind of, you know, speak with. Yeah, I, I love that. Let's talk. So you shared an interesting uh, statistic about um, anxiety in the salon industry. What was that? Yeah, so um, one in five stylists have an anxiety disorder. Wow. One in five. So I have a lot of salon owners, managers, leaders listening to this podcast. So more than likely they have someone dealing with anxiety in their salon company. Let's talk about leadership and how to lead a team of people or an individual. Give us some Give us some tips, and I'm like, I'm an open book. I'm like, like, uh, like I'm I'm asking selfishly for me, and hopefully others will benefit. Um, but just how to, I guess, empathy really ha- plays a big part in this. And I remember when I worked at the church when we were in the care room, and somebody you know might have lost a loved one, and they're in the care room, and what. I did not need to say is, oh, I know what you're going through because I lost a loved one. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that. Like, how is it connecting with the people that are, you know, in your company or really close to you? Yeah. So that empathy piece, um, I I think there might be two different veins we could go with this, with the empathy. So you're um, asking like empathy as far as like, in a leadership role um, with your stylist and also like empathy from if something really hard has happened, like what, what do we say or what don't we say? 
So, um, which can kind of be intertwined, but, um, in those tough moments, um, sometimes saying like, I'm, you know, I know exactly how you feel this happened to me. That can be interpreted as really invalidating because it's almost like you're being dismissed, um, emotionally, because if you're going through something really hard and someone comes up to you and is like, well, I lost, I lost my dad three years ago. And, um, you know, this is what happened to him. Like you've transitioned the topic of conversation from offering support and comfort to making it about yourself. Um, and a lot of times that was um, good. Hang on. Let, let, back up and say that again. So when you say that, it takes the focus off of them and puts it on yourself. Right. Yes. Which as human beings, it's usually super common because we are uncomfortable with those really vulnerable emotions like grief and understanding so it's more comfortable for us to be like, well, let's let's take this up a level. Like going this deep with you and sitting in this grief is hard. So let's go a little bit more surface level and let's just tell a story about me because I'm more comfortable with that because I don't know what to do with you right now. That That is totally me, Tish. That is so <laughs> me because I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say. Want, and maybe it's my, yeah. my male DNA. I'm like, I want to fix it. Um, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, my lovely wife, there's times where she's like, hey, I don't need you to fix this situation, but I need right. you to listen to it. And I'm like, it'd be mm -hmm. way easier just to try to fix it. Yeah, because we don't like that. We don't like to feel vulnerable. And so sometimes sitting in that with someone, we don't want to do that. So let me just like, you know, go through the motions and kind of get you to a place where I feel like you feel better because of what I said. And I'm just going to move on with my day. Like those kind of unintentional invalidating and and it's like, it's almost shoving them off emotionally. Um, it's unintentional. It's it's a coping mechanism that we've developed because feeling hard things is hard. Yeah. And I've said this multiple times on the podcast. What drives me insane is when leaders in a company say, leave your personal things at the door when you come to work. And what we just talked about, what you just said, you cannot do that and say that at the same time. Because basically what they're hearing is, I need to leave all my uh, and all my personal things at the door mm -hmm. and all you care about is how I perform. And then you're yeah. gonna try to sit down and connect with them and they're gonna be like, no, because you, you've been banging the drum of I need to leave all my um, issues in my personal life at the door. Yeah, yeah that's, it's impossible for us to compartmentalize our lives that way because we're so intertwined in so many ways. Um, but even like, even as counselors in our field, like we have conversations where, um, even though when we're in session and it's about our client and, um, it's, we still bring ourselves into the room. And so with a stylist, like you can't just leave all aspects of yourself at the door because that zaps you of maybe creativity or the ability to empathize with the guest that's in your chair or, um, just a lot of relational aspects that you just can't leave at the door. Like you can't pick and choose what aspects of yourself you leave. So you do show up in all areas, wherever you are. Yeah. So talking about tips for leaders, sit down yeah. listening to them. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think people just want to feel valued. And they want to feel like validated, like somebody's listening. Yeah. And here's the thing as leaders, like we don't know what their home life is like a lot of times. We don't right. know if there's someone else like, listening to them. So we could be that, really that bridge during that time. Um, 
I, I was just thinking of like, what are some, do you have any, and we're going off the cuff here. Do you have any other tips yeah. for leaders or maybe what they could do in the workplace? Now I'll, I'll share a tip that we did a staff eval in December and the, the, the eval was actually for the company, not the staff. So the staff evaluated the company. We said, what kind of education would you like to have in 2022? And mental health came up and we're like, freaking brilliant. Like this is brilliant because I would have never thought of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So bringing you in was so, uh, it was so refreshing really just to to be like, you know what, like what you're feeling is Mm -hmm. it's, it's okay to feel that way. Cause I think especially as guys, um, we're like, well, we're not supposed to feel anxiety or we're not supposed to feel, we got to be strong. And so what are some other tips that they come to mind that in the workplace that you feel like could help with mental health? Yeah. So I think a couple of things come to mind. The first is you kind of spoke to this, just creating space for them to, to kind of, to say things like making it a safe environment where someone could come in and say like, Hey, I have a new client or a new guest coming in and this is what they're wanting to do, but I'm kind of nervous to, to do this, or this is what's going on. Like being able to share those, those things, you, maybe you don't offer a solution, but more encouragement, Um, but another thought that I had is that if someone expresses that something is hard or that they're having trouble with anxiety, um, whatever they're telling you is very real to them. So we, you know, through your, through our lens and through the support system that we have, you know, I may not struggle with fear of getting onto an elevator, um, but that doesn't mean that this this other individual's fear is very, very real and physical fear. So almost like removing kind of like what we just talked about, like removing yourself and your experience from the equation and just being able to look at this person and say, wow, like they they are really having a very hard time. And that's really hard for them, even though I don't understand every aspect of it. So just recognizing that whatever they're expressing is is real for them. That's what their what their experience is. So I think as leaders, um, just listening, being empathetic when it's appropriate, um, you know, as because it is a it is a business environment too. So there has to be a little bit of a boundary there of creating times um, to be available to talk in private, um, not in front of you know guests who are coming in and things like that. So there needs to be appropriate boundaries in the workplace, um, but also just safety, the ability for people to vocalize things going on. Um, and then maybe even the the willingness to co- connect them to appropriate resources if you feel like it's beyond your ability to handle at work. Yeah, I'm glad you added that last one on. We What we did in our company, so we have a Staff Hub website, which is a, <clears throat> a private website just for our staff. And so after your talk, we recorded it with the resources you sent for referrals and all that stuff. We put... Um, so if you go on our site, which is private, so you can't, but if you're, if you're on staff, you can go and, um, it hits yeah. resources and hit mental health and it has your video and it has, you know, a list of resources because that's something like that. I can only lead people so far. Um, right. I can't be like the shotgun approach. Like I'm laser focused on what I lead and really what I'm good at. Um, you're mm-hmm. really good at what you do. So like, I don't, I don't want to step in that lane. It's like, Hey, let's go um, talk to someone professionally. And it's so mm-hmm. great. Like if you're a business owner, like it's so great that 
that we have this connection now because now yeah. we have a resource and we have people in our company that are like, hey, I would, I want to connect with Tish because they've seen you. You've been in our company. You've actually yeah. uh, connected with them through the the talk that you gave. And it was so um, beneficial. What advice do you have for a leader that's wanting to learn more about mental health? Like, are there any books, uh, any YouTube videos? I'm sure if we search, there'd be like a million. Um, yeah, there's a ton of YouTube videos. I'm trying to think if there's like one book. Um, okay, it's a little it's a little deep. Let me grab it off my shelf really quick. It's a little deep because it goes into the science of a lot of it. Um, but The Body Keeps the Score is by Bessel van der Kolk. And it's an excellent book that talks about how experiences our life in our life are hardwired into who we are. Um, and so it talks about trauma and how that can develop into like anxiety and depression. So this is just a really excellent text when talking about trauma and how our body holds that trauma and how we ex- go into life. Uh, one book that you recommended to, uh, we had, um, Someone asked a question. It was Boundaries by, um, God, who's it by? Uh, Cloud and Townsend. Yeah, yes. Once I looked it up, I was like, this is Henry Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud. I love Dr. Henry Cloud. So I'm definitely going to be picking that up and um, reading it. Uh, Hey, I've got some other like rapid uh, fire questions before that, (laughs) which you have no idea what I'm about to ask. Um, First off, (laughs) this isn't rapid, but how did you, how did you find Silver Salon? How long have you been coming to Silver Salon? Okay. I came the first time, I think it was in June of 2020. Um, So I had known about Silver Salon just because it's, um, it's in, I mean, it's in our community and I knew a couple of stylists that actually work there. Um, and I had been seeing someone who did an awesome job on my hair, but it was a long drive and it was always a very long appointment. Like it would take, I would be there for (laughs) forever. (laughs) It was like six hours. It was, it was, it was crazy. And it just didn't work with my lifestyle and kids and all of that. So I just wanted a change. Um, and I, um, looked up Silver Salon and it was during COVID and I was so impressed with how you guys handled that, like doing a virtual appointment to talk about my hair. I was like, this is so awesome that they are like this serious. It's not just like, yeah, come in, we'll figure it out. It's like, no, we're going to take an interest in, you know, what you want and what what you're looking for, make sure we're a good fit. And that was super cool. So yeah, it's been um, almost two years. Wow. Yeah. I, we didn't know what we were doing at the time. So I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> It was great. We we, uh, we had a new staff member start this past week and I was like, hey, what are like some things that stick out to you? She was like, you guys have everything like, like everything is systems and processes and like, which yeah. is good. A lot of people don't like systems. I say systems need mm-hmm. to serve the people. If they don't change your system. Um, right. But that was very eye-opening. And I was just like, you know why we're, we have systems and you know what your next step is? It's because we failed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're like, oh, okay, we messed up on that. We've got to get a system together that actually uh, helps our staff. Yeah, find something that works. Systems are safe. Systems create so much safety in the workplace when when employees and people know what to expect. That lowers anxiety. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I can't remember the number off the top of my head. It's an, I want to say 78% is high 70s that people, new guests coming to a salon have anxiety. So like, yeah. what can you do for a company 
to lower that anxiety. For you, it's probably having a virtual call. It's like, oh, I'm actually talking to someone. Oh, these people right. are nice. Wow, they're professional. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm meeting my uh, my service provider before I come in, um, offering mm-hmm. a drink, like welcoming them with a smile, uh, letting, yeah. you know, like asking them, how did you hear about us? These are all things that, you know, it's the same thing. Like if I, if you invited Aaron and I over to your house, what would you do? You would open the door for us. You would say, Hey, you know, like to ask your guests, like what their name is, you would show us mm-hmm. around, you would introduce us to people. And so that lowers anxiety. So um, I think it's yeah. 78% of new guests have anxiety. I, be, I would believe that. But I, I mean, I know that, you know, in my experience that even just getting the text reminders and like being able to go through and be like, how are you feeling today? Do you want to have a conversation or do you want us to have a drink prepared for you? Like all these elements, you know, they're so personalized and allow the guests to actually have a lot of control over even just how they show up for their for their visit, which is super yeah, cool. Yeah, and if you're wondering what she's talking about, she we send out a form every morning that asks the person uh, COVID-19 questions, like if you've been around anyone, um, have you had it, blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> ask, I feel like that we get hit with those all the time, anywhere you go. <laughs> and then we ask them, what kind of experience do you want today? Are you feeling chatty? Do you want to be quiet? Um, do you just want to relax and get pampered? We ask them what drink they would like. Are they celebrating anything? Um, those are ways to connect with guests. So yeah. if you're like, oh yeah, I'm celebrating a bachelorette weekend or whatever, when they come in, I can say, hey, are you gearing up for your weekend? And there's just, again, mm-hmm. it lowers the anxiety. So yeah. um, that's that's a huge, huge win. What's your favorite, other than that, if that is yours, what's your mm-hmm. favorite thing yeah. about coming to the salon? I love um, the, I'm trying to think of the right word. I don't know if camaraderie's the same. The team mentality. Like I've never gone to a salon in my adult life or, you know, any experience where everyone in there like likes each other. Like there's no tension, you know, like you just, I can, I feel like, you know, and Aaron, Aaron's told me this before too. Like, you know, I can't get you in and you need something. Like, I'll tell you who to go to. Like, it's not like this guest is mine. She's on my books. I'm paying for my booth. Like, it's just such a team. Um, and, and I love that. I love that you are working to, to be leaders and, and really investing in individuals. Like, it's just, I, I love, I love, I'm such a fan, <laughs> such a fan of Silver Salon and the way that y'all do I, it. Cause it just feels good. It's safe. I tell people, I'm like, look, if it was all about my, 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 I, 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 I'm like, we'll, we'll shut this operation down and do something else. Like that's just too stressful. Like life, yeah. we, we both know life is hard. Let's work as a team. You can go farther mm-hmm. with the team. Um, so we're very, very particular on who we bring on to our team um, because I think it's if you hire 10% of the new people, 10% of your overall staff, your culture shifts whether you like it or not. So that's something that I'm like, hey, we got to be very, very mindful of that and make sure that our whole team is on board when it comes to bringing a new uh, person to our team. Yeah, so. you're protecting that environment. Exactly. Sure. All right, what's the, what's the favorite thing um, you love about your job? about my job. So I, I'm such a helper. Like that's like, I don't know if you're an Enneagram yep, fan yep, or any I'm of that. I'm a seven. Um, so I, I'm a two. 
and I'm such a helper and I love, um, I just love getting to, to love people. Like I love that, that, that I'm in a career, um, where, you know, kind of my faith and beliefs and my desire to love people well collide. Um, and so I get to, I get to meet a bunch of people. The environment that I'm in now is so, um, like-minded and collaborative and, um, yeah, I just love people. I love that I get to be with people and be that hope, um, and help offer and help lead someone to hope who may, feel completely hopeless. Yeah. It's just really a beautiful. Thing. Yeah, it really is. Uh, what's your favorite food? My favorite food is anything potato, <laughs> like French fries, hash oh, browns, I love me some French fries. I just, I love potatoes. It's, it's so bad, but it's so good. Um, <laughs> this is a question I ask uh, every new hire in our company. And I'm like, look, okay. this isn't a trick question, but I will okay. judge you. Um, okay. what is, what is a mu- musical artist? They could be like dead or alive. If they were dead, they would okay. be alive when they were playing that you would like okay. to see live in person. Ooh, Frank Sinatra. Oh, okay. Okay. Never had that one before. I never even yeah. thought about Frank Sinatra. I think, I mean, I just love it. I love all the jazz. It's just, it's such a, I don't know. It just creates such an ambiance. It's so, I just, it should be fun. I don't know. I know nothing about what he would look like performing, but I feel like he was like the OG. Yeah. You, so you feel like really you cool. would like go to a show with like royalty, like everybody's dressed yeah. up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there might be some like like mob stuff going on, but who knows? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it'd be interesting. Um, hey, let's end it on this. What's some um, advice that you would give um, that you would give someone who's maybe listening to this and they're going, man, maybe I need to talk to someone. What's some advice you would give them? Um, Do it. (laughs) Yeah, it can be anybody. Talking to a friend, talking to, um, you know, a coworker, if it's an environment that's safe and created that way, a parent, a loved one, or reaching out to a counselor. Like, usually when we're alone with our thoughts, that's when things get really hard. Mm. So however you need to crack the door open and let some light in with anybody that you feel safe doing so with, do it. Yeah. Love it. Tish, this is not the only time you're going to come on the podcast because (laughs) yeah, we're going to have to bring you on um, and talk about other topics because we could talk for hours, but I appreciate uh, what you're doing. I appreciate you coming into the salon and pouring into our staff um, and then coming on the podcast and pouring into our listeners. So appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you, Evan. This was a treat. Thank you for listening to Touch the Line Podcast. Connect with me on social media and my website by searching evansilver.co. That's evansilver.co. If this episode impacted you, please leave a review and share it on all social media. Thanks for tuning in.